What is up, you guys? This is episode 30 of the Lombard Trucking Show. So glad you could be here. We have an absolutely fucking fantastic show for you today. So let's get right into it. Last left you off, got home on a Friday just in the nick of time for the, at the time, unranked University of Texas Longhorns to take on the number one Alabama Crimson Tide. And what a fucking game that was. An absolute barn burner. Texas only losing by one in the final minutes. What can you do? But honestly, if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, Texas wins that game by double digits, and respectfully so. Alabama showed their fucking ass that game, and I'm a huge Alabama hater. Mainly because most of their fans never even went to Alabama. They're the same type of people who say, oh, I'm a Patriots and a Yankees fan. They just pick who's been winning for the past 20 years. So, yeah, whatever. What can you do? But, man, what an atmosphere the city of Austin was, and it was so awesome to be there. 105,000 people at the stadium, sold out. College game day was there. The city was absolutely lit. It was just an all-around great time. My best college football experience by far. Uh, and hopefully, and hopefully, hoping for more, because where I'm from, you don't get that shit. Best college football experience you can get where I'm from is the Yale-Harvard tailgate, which comes around every two years to New Haven. You want a good college football experience anywhere near Connecticut, you've got to go to Penn State. West Virginia, you gotta drive, you gotta get go far if you want anything remotely close to you know what I got to have in Austin that weekend. But all around phenomenal weekend, loved it. Great time with my wife, our friends, the whole squad, uh, and that we steamrolled that right into an awesome week at work. So not my highest grossing week as an owner operator. Still good money this week though especially given the nature of the economy and the market, but it's been my most productive. By productive, I mean five loads in six days. That's hard to do, especially when I'm self, when you're self-dispatching, finding your own loads, it's, it's, and especially with the number of loads out there, calling brokers, fighting for rates, the pickups, the delivery times. That's the hardest part about scheduling. You know, The, the name of the game is you want to be able to get unloaded and reloaded the same day. Sometimes it's tough because there's not a lot of warehouses where there are. Or there's not that many loads moving. You know, it's... You know, hopefully that's going to change. You know, the uh, consumer market is set to go up as you get closer to the holiday season, whereas the summer it doesn't move as much because there's more people traveling, kind of like what I've been talking about. But we had a great week. Started off, headed over, headed up to Waco. Been here before, Refresco. These guys carry Coca-Cola products. Got a trailer full of orange juice. Took that to Baton Rouge to a Coca-Cola distribution center. Unloaded there. Got, went an hour away to Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, picked up some plastic pellets that were going to a recycling facility in Crockett, Texas. From Crockett, got unloaded, went to Jacksonville, Texas. This is East Texas area, by the way, just so I mentioned, in that Tyler and Palestine area of Texas, that, that domain. Jacksonville, I get loaded with animal feed, some other kind of pellets. I'm not sure. There were three things on the... Um, bill of lading that I had that it said on there. I can't remember entirely, but from there, it was going to a tractor supply store in Chinook, Kansas. So this is the first time I have actually taken product from a warehouse distribution center to a store. Now, I know I did, I've been to Walmart and done that with Walmart when I was working for Pam. This is the first time as an owner operator, picking something up and taking it right to the store in Chinook. Got unloaded there. Went from Chanute to Frontenac, Kansas to Diamond Pet Foods. Been here before. Delivered here. Delivered some wheat or flour stuff that gets made into uh, dog food or pet food. 
And then from Frontenac, Kansas, that was going all the way up to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, to a Menards distribution center. Now, when it came to this past week, the absolute best part was that everything went off without a hitch, and I was able to get unloaded and loaded early on each load, except the first one in Waco. I showed up on time, hour early, got loaded, standard, wasn't there that long. But everything else, I was able to get unloaded before my appointment time and then reloaded before my appointment appointment times. For example, the that load I took from Jacksonville, Texas to Chinook, I picked that up that same day and was able to make it to Chinook, Kansas, same day, called ahead of time. Guy was like, oh yeah, if you can get here before four o'clock uh, or five o'clock, so there'll be a guy on a forklift to unload you because it's just the store. It's not one of these large distribution centers or grocery DCs and stuff like that. And that's how it was with every customer this week. The, these weren't big facilities. You know, I'll know ahead of time what I'm getting into once I look up the place on Google Maps or I'm zooming in to find the truck engines. When you go to one of these big grocery DCs, Dollar General, Kroger, Walmart, these uh, even HEB, you go to these big fucking places as an owner-operator, they don't give a flying fuck about you. I remember that Walmart DC in Bentonville. I remember talking about it. The belly of the beast. Uh, you know, Walmart HQ. They got a, they had a big sign up there. Oh, um, you know, a Walmart has uh, four hours before you need to be unloaded. Basically, it was a sign that says you can't bitch until four hours is up. Four hours? Fuck you. You've got a fucking business to run over here. You guys over here playing fucking, you know, tummy sticks up there, fucking driving around like idiots. Nah, it's not that hard to unload a fucking trailer. I mean, you want to run that big of an enterprise? Then fucking, you know, act like it at this point. I don't want to hear shit about fucking labor shortage. I don't want to hear that crap, all right? You know, that, that's pussy shit. The excuses are getting annoying out there, and we're going to touch on more of that stuff later. But before I go off on a rant talking about all that big shit, like I said, off without a hitch this week. But my luck ran out when I got to Eau Claire, but not really. It was just a little bit of a snag, but I can't complain. First and foremost, I keep saying Eau Claire because when I recorded a YouTube video, I kept calling it Eau Claire. And my grandma Carol, she's laughing at me right now up in heaven because Eau Claire is French for Clearwater. And I was pronouncing it Eau Claire. I should have known that it was French. That was just big ignorance on my part. I, sh I, I should have known better, you know, to be the descendant of one of the greatest French teachers of all time. I should have had the foresight knowing I was going to a town you know, that has a French name, but that's just a, neither here nor there. But I get there when I'm supposed to early, actually. So I had to pick up that load in Frontenac on a Friday. And my appointment was for 1300 that day, 1 o'clock p.m. Showed up at 9 a.m., got loaded early. So I got to drive a full day, basically, with that load. Drove up to Des Moines, and then I woke up early and drove about four or five hours, whatever, to Eau Claire because the rate confirmation said that I could deliver any time between 0700 and 1930 or 7.30 p.m. I show up at 10 after 11. I get to the gate. Gentleman goes, oh, hey, man, uh, so our receiving hours on Saturday, uh, we, you know, we stopped receiving at, at noon, uh, but they called at, you know, 10 a.m. and said that they were done for the day. So I'm not going to lie. At first, I was pretty fucking butthurt because I was going to drive – because I was actually going to drive – Closer to my next pickup, which wasn't until Monday, today, I'm recording Monday at time of recording outside Des Moines, and I was going to get closer there, so that way I was next to the pickup. But I, you know, after thinking about it for a couple minutes, I decided, you know, I, I cooled down, 
I was like, you know what? Let's make a YouTube video about it. Got to record the wins. Got to record the losses. Record all the experiences out there. Like I said, that's why I'm making the podcast. That was the goal from the podcast and the YouTube from the start is to document this as a, you know, as just information for other drivers and other people to learn out there. And, and then it hit me. I'm in fucking Wisconsin. It's, you know, damn near 80 degrees out. These people got a different way of life up here. I learned that when I went to run the marathon in Missoula and I, and I walked through the whole town. This place, this place had summer hours. These places on Fridays were closing early. Thursday, Friday, closing early. Saturday, closing early. Because you know what? They basically got fucking 90 days of anything that's decent weather. And probably less, considering it may rain some of those days. So I was like, you know what? If I'm one of them, if I'm working on that Saturday, shit, yeah, I want to leave at 10. I want to go fishing. I want to experience, you know, whatever it is Wisconsin people do. I got to go see, number one, I take the goods with the bad. So I just reset early. There were two truck stops right next to that Menards DC. Easy parking. I discovered the greatest grocery store ever during this time. So like I said, you got to take the goods with the bads, wins with the losses. I went to a Festival Foods. It's a family-owned Wisconsin grocery store. It's the best goddamn grocery store I've ever fucking been to in my life. I can't even describe it to you. Check it out on YouTube. Got it on the video. It's just, I couldn't believe it. The the whole setup, everything, uh, down to the employees, great place. That's all I'm going to say. So, enjoyed my weekend in Eau Claire. Uh, kind of, you know, I would say I relaxed, but I didn't. You know, I parked on Saturday, got myself a decent lunch, you know, a cooked meal from a place, you know, nearby, and hung, made the YouTube video, hung out, and then I, I, I've gotten this plate carrier recently from First Form. Love it. I've had the plates, needed the plate carrier, so I've been wearing that for my workout. So I went hard, did a seven mile run on Saturday, make sure to wear myself out. Woke up Sunday, went for a two-mile walk down to this uh, really dope church in the town. Um, awesome, you know, service there. Got to hear some great advice, motivational advice uh, from, you know, th- you know, their lead pastor. Talked with him for about, you know, 20 minutes. You know, we chopped it up. Great time. Walked back. So I got to, you know, keep the legs moving, keep yourself moving. And that's just something I want to put out there for you know, other drivers, if you are on a reset over the road, you need to be moving. You need to be moving in general, no matter what. When you're at shippers receivers, do push-ups. Walk around the freaking, you know, the depot, wherever you're at. Get a mile walk-in because they take, you know, they're taking, they want to take three hours to load you or unload you. Get some steps in. Stretch. You got to do it. And I made it a point to where, hey, I work out damn near every day when I'm on the road, but on a reset, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to double it up. I'm going to at least do a two-a-day in there to get it in. So I automatically the day had a four-mile walk. Then I do it with another workout with the Bowflex dumbbells. So I went hard. Cooked my own food, filmed another YouTube video, watched some Steelers football. Sox Steelers lost by three. What can you do? We need to bench Mitch Trubisky. We'll get there. Um, But, yeah, so relaxed, but also went hard. Woke up early Monday because that's when I was able to go back to the Menards D.C., Get, re- get unloaded there, and then finally go to my reload. Got reloaded down in a town called Sparta, Wisconsin, and that is going all the way back to Grand Prairie. And now I'm at where I'm at, which I actually stopped here on the way up, which is a Loves in technically I think it is Clive, Iowa, but uh, it's, it's basically Des Moines, Iowa. And I'm here now 
recording this podcast. Um, so, yeah, overall, great week. Can't complain. A uh, lot of stuff happened while I was on the road, and I made some YouTubes about it, but I wanted to document it on the podcast as well. So let's get right into it. If you follow me on social media, if you've been watching the YouTube videos, you know that I don't hold back when it comes to talking shit about the government, saying what we need to do to get shit done, talking about bills that are going on, talking about the needs of the trucking industry, talking shit about my own congressman, Chip Roy, who can't have a 10-minute conversation with a business-owning veteran constituent in his district. You've heard me say all these things. I also have mentioned and called out other truckers who have grown large platforms and refused to have used them to help the industry as well and have decided to quit and wrap it up. Well, guess what? We got a guy down there who is actually fighting the good fight for us. And I'm going to, and I know he's already got the, one of the biggest platforms. There are almost 350,000 subscribers. His name is Asian Mai. He has a show on YouTube called the Asian Mai trucking show all around. Awesome dude. Sometimes a little clickbaity. I'm not going to lie. His videos. Yeah. He likes to, he's good with his titles. I'll give it to him. He's gotten to where he's gotten for good reason. But, Overall, this guy has a heart of gold, and he does want to help truckers and help this industry. And this guy has been in D.C. himself lobbying to Congress on things like truck parking, driver pay, broker transparency, all things that are affecting the market right now and affecting the, quote, driver shortage, which is actually just turnover, like I keep saying over and over, which is something I don't know why people don't get it. But he is down there explaining that to them. And in his video, he's, 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 it, it pisses me off because I, I don't even know how to put this into words. But he's like, Congress has no idea about this stuff that's going on because they're doctors and lawyers. These are politicians. You know, they don't have real jobs. And it's funny because I had that same conversation with the gentleman who works in Chip Roy's office. And I'm not going to shit talk him. Because he spoke with me with a kind heart, and he's just a, probably a kid in college who's trying to beef up his resume, and good on him for wanting to, you know, maybe, you know, he probably has good intentions. But he said the same exact thing. He goes, oh, you know, we get caught up in our silo up here. We don't really know what's going on. Well, what the, what the fuck is your job? I said it in a TikTok video. I said it in a reel. Sentence one, duties of a congressman. Listen to your constituents. Your duties aren't go on Fox News. Your duties aren't. Talk about shit that's 200 miles from your district. Your duties aren't try to fucking get money from the Koch brothers. Your duties aren't that. Your duties are to listen to your constituents. You are a representative. You work in the House of Representatives. You're in the U.S. Congress. If they just did their jobs, shit would be a whole hell of a lot better. But I got to give the credit where the credit's due to Asia Mai going down there himself and walking it through him Barney style. Because that's what's going to need to happen. Reason being is because unless we get louder and keep rattling these cages, nothing's going to change. See, we saw this happen with, and this is where what I'm try, trying to roll myself into, is going into the railroad strike. So, long story short on them, they haven't had a contract in three years. The pay hasn't gone up. Their biggest argument is over the sick leave policy because they can't schedule doctor's appointments because it's hard to schedule this. You can't schedule getting sick. can't schedule funerals. Look, the railroad, those guys do work just as hard as truckers. Those guys are out for long periods of time. I haven't been to the dentist in two years. Luckily, I'm blessed with good teeth. 
You know, it's hard for me to book shit because you don't know when you're going to get home. You don't know if you're going to have a sensor go down on you. You don't know these fucking things. But see, the railroad, they got a fucking union that helps them. Large unions that apparently have a voice. They could and almost put the economy into a chokehold. So the trucking industry could do that too. We used to have that power. And I've mentioned it time and time again on this podcast. When the unions had the power before deregulation. Okay, so we can't go back to deregulation. We can't do that. I get it. There's no way of turning back the clock. The government's not going to reinstate any bills. They can't even pass the daylight savings bill. But just Asian Mai down there alone isn't going to do it. Here's what we need to do. If you are listening to this podcast right now and you are a truck driver, you need to join the OOIDA, the Owner Operator Independent Drivers Association. There is a billboard for it. I, I joined before I became an owner-operator because of a billboard I saw, I believe, on Interstate 70, maybe in Indiana. I'm just racking my brain back. That's I remember it on 70, somewhere between Columbus and St. Louis. That's all I know. And it said, if you drive a truck, you should be a member. To me, So that right there told me something. Okay, this is an organization I probably need to join. So an OIDA is, is similar to like the VFW, the Veterans of Foreign Wars. These guys, it's in essence, it's an organization that will help truck drivers. So they'll help you become an owner-operator, start your authority. They even have insurance. There's people you can call. They do offer services for joining that help that will help you out. They'll help you out with health insurance, bunch of stuff. It's actually a pretty good resource. Similar to the VFW. VFW has kind of life insurance stuff, but like. But both of them also lobby to the government for the needs of those people. The VFW lobbies for bills for veterans, shit for veterans benefits. OOIDA does the same thing. They are a voice and access to the government. See, so Chip Roy's not going to listen to me. These congressmen, they're probably not even going to listen to Asian Mai, even though he's got 350,000 subscribers. And some of those congressmen, people fucking ignore them. But 350,000 people or more are listening to Asian Mai. But that's another story. So when you have a large organization that can lobby the government, then they start listening. There's almost three and a half million truck drivers in this country, and OOIDA's membership is barely at 150,000. There's our voice. There's what. So those unions that we had, the strong when the Teamsters were strong pre-deregulation of the 80s, that could be our voice when OOIDA comes up there and say, "Hey, we need transparency." These rates are put; these rates are making people go broke. It's putting families and stuff out of business. When your organization is larger, you are more powerful. Strength in numbers, like this. You know, I've talked. I wish we. I wish every truck in America could shut down for three days so people could learn a lesson. I supported the railroad strike. Now, would I have taken advantage of possibly the rise in freight rates over it? Fuck yeah, I am, because I'm one guy, basically treading water over here, fighting to make a small business. Because America was built on fucking small businesses and unions at the same time. That's what America was built on. Okay? So, yeah, I would have taken advantage of some of the higher rates because the railroad went on strike. But for truckers to regain that type of power and for our voices to be that strong to where we can even mobilize a shutdown like that again, the OOIDA numbers absolutely need to rise. And if that happens, there's no reason that the OOIDA or OIDA, as other people call it, can't work in conjunction with the Teamsters. 
in those articles, I was reading about the railroad strike. The railroad has some 12 unions, three major ones, uh, and then, you know, uh, the rest all work in conjunction. There's no reason why OIDA and the Teamsters can't work in conjunction to help make this entire industry that much better. I'm not saying that unions are perfect and that no matter what, if there's a union, it automatically makes it a better place to work and it's more efficient. Look, I've picked up at union-run facilities before and they run slow as shit and they took these mandatory breaks and I was there for several hours. So yeah, that's that's how it is in other parts of the industries. However, when it comes to something that I've read on and I've looked into, the Teamster-affiliated companies and union, and their locals are not are not that bad. Those guys who work for LTL carriers work very hard. They bust their ass. They also work the docks. So they're also not only driving, a lot of them are unloading. So, so I mean, they're working hard. They're breaking sweats out there. My buddy, shout out Zoltan, worked in Vegas, worked for YRC. That guy was at docks in the summer in Vegas unloading. Okay, so those guys are still putting in fucking work. So it's not like these guys are like all this mandatory stuff. No, they literally just have better pay, better benefits, better PTO. The mega carriers right now, you don't get PTO until after a year, and it's one week. They want you to stay out two weeks, and then they'll give you two days home. The pay is well below the minimum. The hours put in is absolutely atrocious. They are are absent and not allowed to get any overtime. Shit like that. The turnover is damn near 100%. The industry is losing more drivers than it can replace them. That tells you that there needs to be some sort of change. Something needs to happen, which is why I'm going to say if you work for one of these mega carriers, Schneider, Pam, Werner, J.B. Hunt, you need to be getting in contact with your coworkers, meeting them at the truck stops, going up and talking to them and saying, hey, we need to get in contact with the Teamsters and let's fucking mobilize. They're doing it at Amazon. The Teamsters are trying to break into Amazon themselves. But Amazon employees are trying to do it at the warehouse. Right on them. Amazon's the new fucking plantation. They're doing this at Starbucks. They're they're just doing it on their own. Nobody's coming to save you. The Teamsters are not going to come into Werner. These guys are too powerful. They spend too much money to keep them away. But if you start to mobilize, join OOIDA, then get with your fucking fellow truckers out there. Say, hey, let's start coming together. Let's do this. Then they can't stop you. Look, I know some. I know some journalists. Me personally, if you ca- if you are fired or you come in contact with any sort of adversity, and you're trying to unionize at a big company like that, let me know. We'll get it. We'll get the word out there. The media will chomp at the fucking bit and will foam at the mouth like a fucking Resident Evil dog if they find out that mega carriers are starting to union bust. Where they love talking about, quote, supply chain issues, shortages, all this stuff. Media love stories like that. Put the fucking, put them to the fire. Let's put these businesses to the fire. The mega carriers are making it worse on us all. They're the ones who are driving down the cost of freight. Moving shit for fucking less than a dollar a mile. These guys are raking in profits. Hand over fist. More than that of inflation. Record profits some of these mega carriers are making. Time for that to change. Because when the working class and the middle class in America succeed, the entire country can succeed. 
Well, I'm not saying that unions are perfect and that no matter what, if there's a union, it automatically makes it a better place to work and it's more efficient. Look, I've picked up at union-run facilities before and they run slow as shit and they took these mandatory breaks and I was there for several hours. So yeah, that's that's how it is in other parts of the industries. However, when it comes to something that I've read on and I've looked into, the Teamsters affiliated companies and union and their locals are not that are not that bad. Those guys who work for LTL carriers work very hard. They bust their ass. They also work the docks. So they're also not only driving, a lot of them are unloading. So, so I mean, they're working hard. They're breaking sweats out there. My buddy, shout out Zoltan, worked in Vegas, worked for YRC. That guy was at docks in the summer in Vegas unloading. Okay, so those guys are still putting in fucking work. So it's not like these guys are like all this mandatory stuff. No, they literally just have better pay, better benefits, better PTO. The mega carriers right now, you don't get PTO until after a year, and it's one week. They want you to stay out two weeks, and then they'll give you two days home. The pay is well below the minimum. The hours put in is absolutely atrocious. They are are absent and not allowed to get any overtime. Shit like that. The turnover is damn near 100%. The industry is losing more drivers than it can replace them. That tells you that there needs to be some sort of change. Something needs to happen, which is why I'm going to say if you work for one of these mega carriers, Schneider, Pam, Werner, J.B. Hunt, you need to be getting in contact with your coworkers, meeting them at the truck stops, going up and talking to them and saying, hey, we need to get in contact with the Teamsters and let's fucking mobilize They're doing it at Amazon. The Teamsters are trying to break into Amazon themselves. But Amazon employees are trying to do it at the warehouse. Right on them. Amazon's the new fucking plantation. They're doing this at Starbucks. They're they're just doing it on their own. Nobody's coming to save you. The Teamsters are not going to come into Werner. These guys are too powerful. They spend too much money to keep them away. But if you start to mobilize, join OOIDA, then get with your fucking fellow truckers out there. Say, hey, let's start coming together. Let's do this. Then they can't stop you. Look, I know some. I know some journalists. Me personally, if you ca- if you are fired or you come in contact with any sort of adversity, and you're trying to unionize at a big company like that, let me know. We'll get it. We'll get the word out there. The media will chomp at the fucking bit and will foam at the mouth like a fucking resident evil dog if they find out that mega carriers are starting to union bust. Where they love talking about, quote, supply chain issues, shortages, all this stuff. Media love stories like that. Put the fucking, put them to the fire. Let's put these businesses to the fire. The mega carriers are making it worse on us all. They're the ones who are driving down the cost of freight. Moving shit for fucking less than a dollar a mile. These guys are raking in profits. Hand over fist. More than that of inflation. Record profits some of these mega carriers are making. Time for that to change. Because when the working class and the middle class in America succeed, the entire country can succeed. Okay, so last little bit of news I wanted to touch on. FedEx. Now, what does FedEx have to do with me? What's it got to do with trucking, owner-operators? What's it got to do with you? So basically, last Friday, FedEx comes out and is warning of a global recession. And after that, their stock took a historic plunge of 21%, the largest it's ever dropped in the company's history. So if you didn't know, FedEx moves their freight via contractors. They don't have company drivers moving their freight. 
They'll have owner operators and small fleet owners bid on lanes and they will win those contracts. And so they got about 6,000 contractors, 35% of which have come out and said, we're running at a loss. And between 20 and 25, can't remember off the top of my head, have come out and said, we're barely breaking even. And so of that 6,000, 1,000 of which are kind of forming this trade union and coming together and they'll be lobbying to FedEx, basically saying, hey, shit's got to change or we're out. So this is something to keep your eye on as we're going into the holiday season. Um, this is going along with basically the, everything that I've been talking about and everything's go, everything that's going on. We need some shit to change in this country. We need to come together, all of us. We need to unify. Look, I'm not anti-business. I'm not saying we need to go out and butcher rich people, but we have a fucking greed problem in this country. I know I've been saying it on the last few episodes about wanting to see people win and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's guys who are winning. They're they're maximizing their amount of profits, record profits beyond that of inflation. But you want to know what they're doing to win? They're making sure other people lose, not their competitors. But even then, like I said, and Andy Purcell mentioned this on his episode, even your competitor, I want my competitors to win. I want other. Here's here's the thing from my point of view. I want other owner operators to win because if they're going to win, it's only going to be better for me. However, what these people are doing, I'm not talking about their competitors. These people at the very top who are winning, getting all this fucking money hand over fist, more than they've ever, ever gotten beyond that of inflation. The people who are losing, in a sense, isn't their competition. It's us. It's me and you. And it doesn't Republican, Democrat, everybody's fucking bills have gone up. Grocery bills up. Gas up. All this. And they're making sure we fucking lose because of it. No matter what you do, no matter who the fuck you vote for, we're losing. But yet they're winning. So something needs to fucking change. We need to start coming the fuck together, getting the fuck over the 2020 election, getting the fuck over every little fucking thing out there. Stop crying about every word or lack thereof word that comes out of the pre- of President Biden's mouth. Shut the fuck up and realize we got bigger shit to fucking worry about. Start coming together as fucking Americans and making this fucking country awesome. Because when the middle class and the working class thrive... Everybody fucking thrives. But hey, that's all I got for you guys today. Episode 30 is in the books. I cannot thank you enough for listening. If you want to support the show, share with a friend. Share the YouTube, share the Instagram. Let's get this message out there. I'm not doing this for clout. I'm not doing this for ego. If you really think that way, then uh, I'm sorry that you do. I truthfully believe that we should be living lives to honor those who came before us and to honor those who are going to come after us. The ones who came before us are the veterans who fought and died in wars to make sure that we could live in the United States, but also our family members that started their own businesses, our family members that worked jobs, worked hours to provide, to give us a place to you know, live and grow up in. We need to be doing the same thing so that way the ones who come after us, the future, can do the same thing. We need to be taking care of this world so that way the future can thrive and make it even better. So thank you guys once again for listening. Let's get out there and change the world. And as always, if you ever want to talk, I'll be here.